Hello everyone, welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, Perry Aston and Christian McGowan. Guys, say hello. What's going on, guys? Hey, how you doing? And we got a really special treat for you guys today. We got Kenny Hawks joining us. He's written about the Clippers in the past. We'll let Kenny talk a little bit more about what he's done in the past as it relates to the Clippers. Kenny, how are you doing? Yeah, how are you guys doing? Uh, I'm just a Clipper Holics writer for the fan-sided company, and I've been featuring the Bleacher Report and the LA Times. That's awesome, man. I know also you were the CEO of Splash Soccer. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I started this as like a YouTube page, and then I evolved it into an Instagram network of marketing. So it went from being you know a nice little hobby into something way bigger than I anticipated. Kind of how all these start, right? Just hobbies that kind of turn yeah. into something bigger. Kind of, <laughs> awesome. how, kind of how this is going for us right now. But thank you so much, Kenny, for joining us. I know we're located in Los Angeles, so to have you talking Clippers with us is very fun for us. With it going to be an awesome season. We're excited for the Lakers as Laker fans here, but of course they share a stadium. We're still going to be there. I know I always catch a Clipper game uh, about once a year since the tickets are usually a little bit cheaper. <laughs> a little bit. But. Uh, yeah, no, let's just talk a little bit Clippers. I know we have Really some... quickly before we get into this podcast, just want to remind you guys to, if you aren't already, follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Corbin at CorbinMRPK. Follow Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston. Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. And Kenny, you can follow on Twitter at Kenny underscore Hawks. Also make sure to listen to us either on the SoundCloud app or via the Apple iTunes podcast app. If you are listening to us on the iTunes podcast app, please go ahead and give us a review. We really appreciate the feedback. So with that, let's get into it. So yeah. Perry, go ahead. Perfect, guys. I know we have some questions for Kenny today. This a few que- uh, questions about the Clippers draft to start. Just had some questions on how you felt about the draft with the Clippers since they did have two first-round picks. I really expected them to trade up or do something with those two picks. They they kind of did with that Miles Bridges situation, but still, they kind of stayed put and got their two guys that they were going after. What's your feeling for the draft for the Clippers? Yeah, I, I actually think it was amazing. Like, from 1 to 10, I would give the front office of the Clippers, Jerry West, Lawrence Frank, on 9. Wow. wow. Drafting, you know, drafting Miles Bridges initially... Then we traded him for the 12th pick to Charlotte for Shy Gilgis-Alexander was a smart move. Definitely. I'm, yeah. I'm big on Shy Gilgis-Alexander. I think he's going to be great. But how do you feel about the other pick? I know the guard out of Boston College, I'm not too high on him at that exact place. I think they probably could have traded back. Do you feel the same way or do you feel confident that they just knew who they had and they obviously the pre-draft buzz didn't match the draft day hype? So really kind of explain that and how do you feel about Robinson? Right, yeah, a lot of people thought with this 13 pick we were going to go for like someone like Michael Porter Jr. or like a, you know, someone else bigger than, you know, Jerome Robinson, who right. no one yeah. expected. In the, uh, in the lottery, of course. Right, exactly, and you know, Jerome's actually been proving everyone wrong with this, uh, the athleticism and intensity on the court in the summer league, so I'm excited to what he's going to bring to the Clippers and uh, we'll see when we get there. Definitely. You know, did it concern you at all? I I know when we were doing our mock draft, I actually had the Clippers taking two guards, and when we did that, Perry said there's no way they take two guards, especially after trading Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan's impending free agency. Really, really just with Beverly coming back and with Bradley there, I'm, it wasn't necessarily that they shouldn't go get two guards. It was that they didn't need two guards. I like that they... 
I like the Shy Gildas Alexander pick yeah, a no, lot. I, do I just too. expected them to go with a different position except for shooting guard, really. And it kind of surprised me that they went with a one and a two. How do yeah. you feel about that? Because I really do like the mentorship now that I see it, of course, with the team and seeing how they can develop under the guards that they already have there. But do you see that taking time away from any of the rookies too much this year or vice versa with these veterans? Or do you see this being kind of a perfect match with, you know, especially with Beverly on defense? I really like that there. He's going to help all these guards toughen up. So how do you feel about the situation with the two guards there? Is it really going to help their development or kind of stunt it for a little bit while they have a committee back there? Yeah, you know, I might do a little bit of both because we have Beverly teaching them defense, but offensively they might not have much play time, right? They might not, you know, be able to develop their skills in actual NBA games, but they will be coming off the bench most likely with Avery Bradley coming back too. And with Shy Gilders Alexander, I'm huge on him. I love him. He's one of my players that I don't predict him to be rookie of the year for the exact reason that we were just talking about. The fact that he's not going to be getting the same kind of volume as, for example, yeah, for example, like a Colin Sexton, who's going to have to put up a lot of numbers for the Cavaliers this year, and he's going to be, you know, in the running for that. So I see that being my guy for Rookie of the Year, not a guy like Shy Gilgis Alexander, but I see Shy Gilgis Alexander just like a Wendell Carter for me as two of these guys in the lottery that I believe might be the best two NBA players out of the lottery in the long run. And Shy Gilgis Alexander has the length, the athleticism, and the entire package really to be the perfect modern NBA point guard. And when I watched the games, especially in the beginning for the summer league, before they kind of started shutting him down a little bit, he impressed me so much more than I was already impressed uh, before when he impressed me during the draft process. I saw him in actual games, and he was so long, he was so dominant, and really just blew my mind to see that a lot of these teams in the top 10 didn't give him more consideration. The Clippers clearly knew the kind of guy they were getting. And of course, flipping Miles Bridges was just a smart move in the process too. Uh, What do you feel about Shy Gilgis Alexander in the long run? Not this year, because I know he's not going to really win Rookie of the Year, but are you super high on him taking over this point guard position? Or do you like a guy, like a veteran, like Patrick Beverly, kind of sticking around for the long run? Yeah, I love Shy, right? I think he's going to be a big star in the NBA easily. I think, honestly, he could be the new Chris Paul for the Clippers team, but that's not too egregious and uh, aggressive there. Definitely, a, definitely a different player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jerry West has the master plan, right? It's amazing how he influences these trades, does the work, and I trust his plan more than anything, so I think Shy's going to be a huge part of this Clippers team going forward. That's something that Corbin's chimed on in past past podcasts, his praise yeah. of, of West. Really, really quickly, I just want to ask you, with Jerry West, I mean, obviously he has maybe the best credentials of any GM slash advisor in this league. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. You, what do you think about Pat Riley? Well, okay, yeah, we're not, not going to get into that right now. Though. I want to get to <laughs> the question of, for you, Kenny, is it more confidence in Jerry West because of what he's done in the past, or do you really, do you like each of the moves that he's done so far and feel like those moves, regardless of the pedigree that Jerry West has, if it was him or someone with lesser credentials, you'd be confident either way? If this was someone else, would you still be feeling as confident? Or is it just because it's West, really? Uh, I, I, yep, there's a huge part there. Jerry West has a proven track record, right? He basically built the Golden State Warriors. Like, he basically built the, the biggest team in the NBA, the most dominant team in the NBA. So I like his proven track record. I actually like what the moves he's been making. 
with Blake Griffin letting you know Patrick Beverly come. You know, it's it's gonna get it's gonna get big for us. Yeah, I know a lot of big moves in the past year or two, getting rid of you know Chris Paul or you know and Blake Griffin really. I know Christian. Let's see. Yeah, I got a question for you real quick. I know I haven't said much, but let me chime in from the shadows. So, uh, how do you feel about life after uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin? Do you think they're, do you feel like they're poised for success, or is uh, another rebuild going to be needed in a couple of years? I think we're poised for success, right? We cleared that cap space. We, you know, the, I feel like this trade we got real real assets in the trades. We got Avery Bradley, we got Patrick Beverly, we got Tobias Harris. We got all these players that are defensive talents, and their offensive capabilities are good too. Like, I, I know Blake Griffin was my favorite player, but I'm gonna have to say this trade was better for the Clippers in the long run. He was injury-prone, and Jerry West saw that. It was just uh, weird how it happened after giving him such a massive contract. Exactly. And, and it was the way that they gave him that contract. I remember they had his jersey up in the rafters. It was a clipper for life. Yeah, clipper for life. And it was this whole emotional... I, I think someone was crying. There was multiple things know. released. It was just the fact that they kind of just cut their ties like it was nothing. Really short after kind of surprised me. I know we were just talking about you know, you saying them poising themselves for success because of the cap space and everything. I like what they're doing because they're not doing a complete rebuild. They're one of the rare teams that are rebuilded by getting rid of their big name players that really had to go and get those kind of assets so you can help yourself in the draft because the draft has really become so valuable in the past few years. People value second round picks like people used to value first round picks back in the day now. Any kind of draft pick people go crazy for. And the Clippers last year were the 10 seed, and they had a winning record. So even battling some injuries on that team, the team wasn't awful last year, and they are you know, in a position to compete next year, not saying that they're going to make the playoffs or not. I know that we are going to get into kind of their chances for the playoffs in a little bit. But I kind of like what they're doing because they're rebuilding at the same time with the assets, Tobias Harris, getting all those draft picks, 12 and 13, you know, flipping it for... Uh, another draft pick in the Miles Bridges situation. They're very smart, like you said. The front office is doing a lot of smart things there. And at the same time, they're in a position to succeed. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs personally in the stacked West. I think they're going to kind of be right on the outskirts, kind of like last year. That's just my personal opinion. Kenny, where do you feel the Clippers are going to end up this year when it comes playoff time? Are they going to be on the outskirts? Or are they going to find a way to slip into this stacked West? Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, if the team stays healthy and the Stars were not, you know, the Stars weren't seen too much, like last season, Patrick Bibley and uh, Avery Bradley were out, you know, they can provide defensive stability for the Clippers. I mean, yeah, you're right. In this year's Western Conference, it will be a different battle for sure. I mean, but I believe the Clippers can honestly, might have a chance to, uh, make the playoffs i i agree they're gonna be on the outskirts if they don't but i do think they have a chance but i might just be a you know optimistic clippers fans as we all are yeah i was gonna say that's that's your uh, fandom showing through and uh, (laughs) i mean anything can happen injuries suck but they're a part of the game so i feel like it's more not if the clippers can stay healthy but if other teams can't because it's just so stacked i mean I agree with Perry. I don't think that... I think a lot of stuff would have to go wrong for other teams for the Clippers to make the playoffs just because while they have... I think they have a ton of good talent on the roster, like strong role players, but they don't have that one star that you need to succeed, especially in the Western Conference as stacked as it is. And the other LA team, meanwhile, did get... 
I don't even think arguably, unquestionably, the biggest star in the NBA. So, Kenny, how do you think that LeBron coming to the Lakers affects the Clippers in terms of just moving forward and then also a lot to do with Kawhi Leonard next offseason? Do you think LeBron coming to the Lakers helps, hurts their chances, or neither? I mean, LeBron going to L.A., Lakers, definitely actually helps the Clippers, even though it puts them in the shadows. This is why. I mean, LeBron, you know... Going to the Lakers increases the Clippers' uh, minimal ticket prices. I mean, they're going to be down <laughs> at least. That's what I said in the beginning of the show. You catch me at a Clipper game or two this year, definitely. Yes, sir. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, which is good. I mean, the, the Lakers have been claiming that they own L.A. forever, even though the, you know, the Clippers, I mean, the, I mean the Lakers, but um, the Clippers have been performing very well. They've been performing better than the Lakers most of these Recent years. I don't so. know about next year, but I mean, they have, to I don't be know honest, year, the, Cl- the Clippers <laughs> have definitely been a lot more impressive than the Lakers have, at least over the last about five years. And it's been nice that at least one team in LA has been able to keep relevancy throughout the time. And right. just the last part of that question for me I know you said they're in the shadows, but does this really leave them as like the ugly stepchild of the LA? The red, the redheaded stepchild. Just because I remember back in the day, I think the Elton Brand year was the one year that people kind of got excited with Maggetti on the team. But other than that, and that which, was the, which, the one, the one, El, the one year, in. the first year that they made the playoffs, the Clippers. Oh yeah. But other than that, they were just a joke. And like right now, we're making jokes <laughs> about the ticket prices, but back in the day. You were able to see a Clippers game, pretty good seats for super, super cheap. I don't, I don't exactly. I don't think it's the same way like that anymore. But does this hurt? Kind of having fans in the stands. Does this? Do they kind of save up their money and go check out LeBron a month later, or do you think there's still going to be the? Do you really? Do you really think it's going to be you know Clippers fanatics still coming through? People still wanting to see this team because I honestly see them as like a Denver Nuggets kind of team. They are exciting. They can possibly compete. Four and eight seed, but they're going to be on the outskirts when it comes down to it, to where they're going to be the nine, the ten seed, just around where they were last year. So that's where the Clippers are going to be. They're still going to compete. Do you think it's going to hurt their fandom and filling the stands, or do you think it's really not going to do much just because they're still somewhat competitive? It might not do much, but, you know, I think it might have a little, you know, influence in – if LA fans, like even Laker fans, go to the Clippers game just just because they have nothing to do, and then they just spend you know twenty dollars on the ticket <laughs> versus versus you know two hundred because it's like times one hundred percent everywhere LeBron goes, yeah. all the uh, ticket prices go up five hundred percent. So it's crazy. That is now. I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I'm curious, Kenny. Do you know what the prices are for the Clippers opening night? <laughs> The opening night, I do not, but I was looking at the Houston versus Clippers game, and I was looking at, uh, you know, like, section 101, section 111, and I was, like, looking at them, I was like, $400, and I was like, that's not bad, because it's wow. a nationally televised game yeah, against Houston, yeah, yeah. so it's starting to fall, and then I look at the Lakers against Houston, which is, like, <laughs> the following night, and it's 4000 in those same seats, so I'm like, okay, <laughs> yep. I, see, I see the, you know... Yeah, then they, and then and then you see Kenny and I in like the rear little corner of your camera at the Clippers game when you're watching it at home because that's the only ones that we're we're affording this year. We can afford, yeah, exactly. So Kenny, I got another question for you. How many years do you think you're going to be in a rebuild? And to add on to that question, can next offseason can you guys land one of those big free agents? Yeah, if there is any rebuild if at all. Yeah, if it's just a one year turnaround, Re- retooling. Could yeah, be. yeah, I think. Um, 
there might not be a rebuild, right? Like, this next season, we have two max free agent spots for any, like, Kawhi, you're right, Kawhi Leonard. We could even get Kyrie or Jimmy Butler, right? Because Kyrie and Jimmy want to play together. I mean, if, I mean, the rivalry would come back against Kyrie and LeBron, right? Leaving the Boston and the Cavs, and then it'd be like Lakers and Clippers. I think, to be honest, this this next offseason, this, this year is a rebuild year, right? No this doubt. one year is a rebuild year. But this next offseason, I think we're going to make some major moves. That might just be the fan I'm talking again, but... I think you have a lot of trust in Jerry West for a good reason. And they are making a lot of moves, and they could have easily traded both of these picks for a big-name player right now. They could have easily went all-in in free agency on somebody this year and you know let, a- let Avery Bradley walk. They could have done a lot of package, their package player, a like lot of picks, especially with Tobias Harris, who is a highly sought package. I, I really expected them to do something, and when they didn't, it kind of weirded me out, but then I saw them take Shai Gildas-Alexander and get a little pick out of it in the future, and I really liked that, and then that's when it left me with the question mark with Jerome Robinson, but... He, his scoring athleticism is no question, and I we're not going to keep going over that. I know Corbin's got one more question for you. Well, just more something I didn't even think about until you brought it up, Kenny, with Kyrie Irving. You mentioned him possibly going to the Clippers along with Jimmy Butler to fill in those two max free agent slots. It's just funny to think about how Kyrie could have originally been a Clipper, but they made that trade. I believe it was, oh, yeah. what was it, um... Baron Davis and the number one pick for Jamario yep. Moon or something, and That's Mo crazy. Williams, right? That is crazy. Yeah, that. So I mean, that was just to clear Baron Davis's salary. He had I think like two two years left, right? Two or three years left on two his deal, and uh, yeah, they ended up they didn't put a protection on him at all. And you would have thought they would have at least had a top three or top five protection on that. So I know that's that's a mistake that Jerry West will not be making. Yeah, so that's going to be good for you guys. We're but, turning the clocks back. Yeah, but uh, Kyrie-LeBron rivalry right in L.A., that would be really fun to see. Jimmy Butler has openly said he yeah, wants to move on to Los Angeles. He did, in particular, say with LeBron James. But there's but also been reports. Him, also Jimmy been. Butler and Kyrie Irving are really close, so that's... Yeah, there's even been some reports that there's only so many places that can afford them both and can really make the moves to go after them. I know the Clippers can be there, the Knicks can be there, so only a few other teams that seem like realistic destinations for them. So I got one. I got one last question for you. So with DeAndre Jordan finally going to the Dallas Mavericks, a move that he wanted to do many years before, do you think it would have been better if he just had left for Dallas the first time, letting him walk and? You know, getting that mobility sooner, yeah, or riding through it and being in the position you're in now. I think we should have let him walk sooner. You know, I agree. I totally I think, agree. Yeah, because he's been playing. You know, when he was on the team and he still wanted to go to Dallas, he's he's playing with a little chip on his shoulder, right? Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, the chip in a bad way. The chip in a in a bad way. Yeah, he, he's he's not a modern NBA center, and he's yeah, a very yeah. Dwight Howard kind of player. And it's impressive how long he's been able to stay at the top of his game, but it's because of his athleticism and because what he needs to do is catch the lobs, catch the rebounds. But he doesn't have a three-point shot. He doesn't, you know, stretch no, the floor. He doesn't have he doesn't have much shot. Unless at it's all. a dunk, there is. He, does, he doesn't, he doesn't run the floor as elegant as other big men do nowadays. But at the he same time, well. he's dominant, and I love his athleticism and I love his spring, but. If you would have let him walk the first time, we could have saved a lot of drama. 
that whole entire fiasco with him getting, you know, kidnapped. Mark Cuban, <laughs> you know, like, ho- held in the for- house. It all could have been avoided. I honestly thought this was going to happen prior. I thought it was going to end up in Dallas regardless. It was just... It's just strange I, three years later, same just, place. But. Just a weird kind of thing how it all ended. But I do agree with you, Kenny. I think it would have been better for the Clippers if they would have just let him walk the first time. And I think at this point they would have already had their center for the future. 100%. But Marcin Gortat will fill in that role for at least yeah, this year. They just got to be. They just got to be thankful and... The Mavericks fans have to be thankful Cuban didn't do something dumb either. We're just giving him a one-year deal. I, I thought if he went to the Mavericks or wherever he went, he was going to get a four-year, if not max deal, close to max deal. His athleticism, I mean, he's wrong side of 30 now, I believe. He's he's going to lose his athleticism pretty quickly, and when he does, there's going to be nothing for him to do. Like he'll, I mean, he'll still be able to get some minutes, but he's not going to make nearly the impact that we're used to. His his downfall is going to be much quicker than most players. I'm just going to add one more question just because I brought up Marcin Gortat we were just talking about the center position anyways. What's your feeling on the Austin Rivers-Marcin Gortat swap? Because obviously you know, Rivers has a lot of drama already in LA. It was mainly with Chris Paul, his dad, everything like that. Kind of cleaning slate with him regardless of the fact that the situation's kind of eased itself out. What do you think about the fit with Marcin Gortat? Do you like the trade? I love the trade, right? We're getting rid of a guard. We already have too many guards, like you pointed out. And then we're getting rid of, you know, the Austin Rivers, Doc Rivers kind of bias there, which a lot of people argued was a thing impacting his minutes. And then we're getting a center who can actually spread the floor, right? We don't have DeAndre Jordan, who's just, you know, he's athletic. As you said earlier, he can't shoot past, like, Two, like two, two inches from the <laughs> so. It's a dunk. Yeah, he, he's putting up a layup. Um, yeah. That's about as far <laughs> as he goes. That's a lot. Yeah, but thank you so much for joining us, Kenny. Really appreciate it. And we just wanted to tell our listeners one more time a little bit about him. Check out Kenny Hawks, uh, his column on Clipperholics FS. He's also been sure. featured on Bleacher Report. And he, uh, of course, the CEO of Splash Soccer. Check out SplashSoccer.com. Thank you so much, Kenny. Again, go follow him on Twitter at Kenny underscore Hawks. Really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Kenny. This was so fun. Yes, thank you yes. so much, Kenny. Look forward to uh, speaking yeah, with you soon. Yeah, we'll see you in, uh, in the future, uh, of course, doing more partnership with Kenny and talking in with him with as our kind of Clippers correspondent whenever we got anything going on with them. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It was super fun. I'll catch you guys at a Clippers game if you're down there, right? <laughs> yeah, we're definitely catching you, Kenny. Exactly. We're going uh, on a date night, $5 tickets each. Bye, Kenny. Yes, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So fun having him on. We're going to go away from the Clippers and move on to Manu Ginobili. Yeah. Just a class act. Love him. Love his career. He never complained. He was a starter for two years throughout his career. Those two years were the only two years that he was an all-star. So... That shows that when he has the volume, when he had the opportunity, he could have been an all-star every year of his career. I honestly truly believe that. If he continued to play 60, 70 games every, it's in the starting position every single year, I think he could have competed for the all-star position every single year. And it's a shame, but at the same time it's not because he was such a selfless player and he didn't have to chase rings. He was part of something that was bigger than himself. And he bought into it. It didn't matter what Popovich needed from him. If it was a bench role, if it was a more increased role, if there was injury problems, if he needed to just take a backseat and really help some of the younger guys on the team. Whatever it really needed, Manu Ginobili did that. 
He's only one of eight players in NBA history to win four NBA championships and an Olympic gold medal, and the only non-U.S. born player to do so. That's a legend. That's a Hall of Fame career right there. We talk about rings. He's got four championships. He's a two-time All-Star. He's an Olympic gold medalist. Six man of the year. Six too. man of the year. I don't. I has to be. I once think or it twice. was actually only once. Yeah, which is surprising. surprising. You just talked about he only started twice, two years in his career. It wasn't that he started only twice. There was well, years that he kind of split it yeah, half and half. But, but those are the only two that he was majority of the time exactly. he started. Right. One thing with Mono Ginobili. I mean, I've spoken before about how I think there's no doubt Greg Popovich is the greatest head coach in NBA history. We're in agreement. And Part of that is because of how much he was able to do with the talent that he had. It wasn't like he didn't have any talent that he was coaching, but it was nothing like what Phil Jackson had or what Red Auerbach had with the 1960s Celtics, 50s and 60s Celtics. So as much credit as I don't think Popovich gets, I also think that players like Tony Parker and especially Manu Ginobili, they don't get the credit that they're due either just because in Ginobili's case, because he sacrificed for the greater good of the team and realized that maybe it wouldn't help his numbers, but it would help his team win championships. And he's been on record so many times saying that's all he cares about. He just wants to win. Yeah. And for him to take a role coming off of the bench, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's really much of a debate to be had there, even though his numbers don't resemble what you would typically no, think this of a Hall of Famer. About. We keep talking about rings, and that's the modern NBA. And regardless if he won his rings, not right now, and it was a little bit past in his career, when he's getting put up for debate... He had three, he three, of, four three, of, his, three of his four rings were yeah. in his prime. He's got, he's got four rings. There's yeah. no debate. Even if you're averaging 11, 12 points a game, uh, and it's, I'm just telling you, and you make an all-star game once, but you have four rings, It's that's going to speak for itself and you're going to make this Hall of Fame. I'm telling you, this is just how it is nowadays. I want to tip my cap really quick to an end of an era for Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, and Tim Duncan, and, of course, Coach Pop. This is going to be the Old first year. Pop is still there, but yeah. No, no, I'm talking about them together. Just It was so fun to watch. So many championships that they won, and they were just the had, patriots of the NBA, really. Yeah, they had the most wins of any trio in NBA history, uh, Duncan, Parker and Ginobili, so yeah, it's almost like the, they're in heaven. It's kind of weird. No, it's it's, like it's, it's, it's like going to be so weird to see Tony Parker in a Hornets jersey next year when he plays his first game. It's going to be so awkward for me to adjust to that and to not see Manu Ginobili in the league is going to be sad. I know a lot of players credit him as the master of the Euro step and yeah. who really made that a thing. And Even though he's from Argentina, yeah, he's just so <laughs> such a class act, and he really has put up such a great career. Just so sad to see him go, really. I actually have to bring up a question. Do you think Kawhi Leonard inadvertently ended Mono Ginobili's career one year early? Because I know he had spent the whole offseason training yeah. in the training facility. Yeah. All signs pointed that he was going to return. And then when this uh I don't want to say, Kawhi- say Kawhi Leonard. Let me stop you right I there. Do you, think to- do you think Tony Parker That's what I was going to say. I think, I think Kawhi had something to do mm-hmm. with it because... I don't think he meant us inadvertently. No, I agree, action. but I'm saying... But I think, yeah, I agree. Kawhi, even, more... even if Kawhi got shipped out, if Tony Parker stayed and re-signed there, I truly believe Manu Ginobili would have re-signed for one more year and ran that back with Tony Parker there. Well, him leaving probably stems also from Kawhi Leonard. I know they denied reports of that, but you have to give the speculation with how much drama there was throughout the year and the comments that he made 
about Kawhi's injury. Yeah, had to rub but, him the wrong. But way. with Tony Parker, because I mean, by the time he signed with the Hornets, the Spurs knew that there probably wasn't much of a chance of of fixing the problem that they had, the issues that Kawhi Leonard had with them. So they knew they were probably going to have to end up trading him anyways. I really think with Tony Parker, the big reason why he left is just because if he wanted to get much playing time... I think it was he just the role. He, yeah. Well, he could, yeah, he couldn't get that with the Spurs. They got Deontay Murray and Patrick Murray... Or, Patty Mills, sorry, and who are both had, and clearly had, better point guards at this stage in his career. I'll than stop him. you there, Lonnie Walker, who yeah. is listed well, as I mean, a two, a as guard, listed but. as a two. His handles are out of this world, and his vision's insane. He's going to be a lot better of a passer than people expect him to be in the NBA too. So expect him to run some time in smaller lineups or bigger lineups, just at different positions. Lonnie Walker is one of those pieces that really excites me for their backcourt. It's just so sad to see this yeah. really end. So. But it, it was a big shock when. Even when they were saying that he was debating retirement, I thought there's no way he's actually going to retire. He's been, yeah, he'd been he's training. He'd been training this entire offseason. You saw him dunking on people left and right last year, making game-winning shots yeah. still. Jemani Ginobili didn't slow down one bit. Let's hope to see him in the big three. That's yeah, going to transition us straight into our next topic. Rumors about Kobe Bryant being in the big three. I know he's shut it down every time that it's been brought up to him. I've just watched a... On Sports Center, it was Ice Cube was on there, and they said, "Kind of, what's your plan with Kobe Bryant?" He said, "What do you mean? What's my plan?" I ask him every time we're together, and he's <laughs> gonna shut it down every time we're together. But I'm just gonna keep asking him until at some point he just says yes. So, you know, I don't think this is true. I think another thing that we can bring up is Stephen Jackson's interview. He, one of the players in the Big Three, him and another player were getting interviewed at the end of the game, and another. Uh, reporter asked him, do you think Kobe Bryant would be able to handle the physicality of the big three with how it's kind of half core and they're a lot more physical because, you know, it's not really as watched with the referees as bad. They, got, they literally got up, started laughing, ran in circles, looking at this guy like, are you serious right now? Like, are you serious? Yeah. Kobe Bryant, you know, you just asked me if Kobe Bryant can handle this league. Kobe Bryant can handle any league, anytime. If he could be on here on this court, please, Kobe Bryant. Come play with us next year. We need you here, buddy. Like that's pretty much exactly word from word. And they were just ripping this reporter apart for asking such a stupid question. Can Kobe handle the big three? Yes, Kobe can handle the big three. Is Kobe going to play in the big three? That's another question. Right now, the answer I believe is no. Will he ever play in the no. big three? That's a question that I'll open up to you guys. I really see him taking his career in other paths, but do you see him hitting the court for the big three at all in the next five to ten years? I would be really surprised if he ever did. He just, like you just alluded to, he has so many different things going on in his life. He's already won an Oscar, and yeah. he's trying to do more stuff. He loves storytelling and yeah. all the work that goes into that. He's I a mean, producer for multiple shows yeah. now. And for the big three, I think if he were to do it, I think it would just be for like a game or two, and it would have to be in LA. I don't think he's going to take the time. I just don't see him taking the time to fly out to Chicago or New York, unless he has some business interest that he has to do as well over there. And with Steven Jackson, it was funny, I was just thinking about it while you were talking about that. I know Steven Jackson would love for him to, for Kobe to be in the big three, as would anyone else associated with Absolutely. the big three, and just basketball fans in general. I almost think it would have been better for Steven Jackson and the Big Three if when that reporter asked, Steven Jackson just said, no, there's no way that he can handle this because we know Kobe Bryant's mindset, his mentality on everything. 
he wants to prove people wrong and let them know that they were so wrong about. Yeah, but then you're that guy. But then you're that guy that just doubted Kobe's athleticism if he can handle the big three. Then you sound I know, like I know, idiot. I know it's a long shot. You sound like just... an idiot, like the reporter sounded when he asked if Kobe Bryant can handle the big three. I feel like I know. Either way, he's not going to play the big three. There's, I feel like it's more likely he'd play for the Lakers again next year than play for the big three next year. <laughs> honest I'd, to God, I'd kind of agree. With small that. percentage chances we're talking here, but <laughs> honest to God, no, no chance of either. It's like <laughs> negative, yeah. negative percent. Yeah, like, chance like, like, I think Kobe is so happy at home right now, just in a yeah. recliner chair no with an IPA, just kicking his feet up. Just writing a script for whatever show he's But if nice. it goes seven games with the Warriors, I fully expect him to put on the green and gold <laughs> and come off the bench and help us bring one more the back green to and green and gold. Purple. Green gold. What a fan. What a fan, right? I saw your jersey downstairs. <laughs> Corbin owns the Packers for yes, people I do. who don't so listen to our NFL. And all we're going to move on to kind of a kind of a weird topic with the NBA. It's with mental health and their records getting released to teams. This year and the year, kind of the last few years, have been awesome, at least for me, who struggled with mental health in the past, to see these players really become, you know, pioneers, really, for mental health in sports, because it was always looked at that you're weak, or you shouldn't have anything like that. Seeing guys like Kevin Love, who just got interviewed, Jackie McMullen, put on an awesome piece. If you haven't seen it, check out ESPN, go read that, really just gives you goosebumps. Kevin Love talked about the anxiety attack that he had. It was, you know, running around in circles in the locker room and, you know, gasping for air. And, you know, people thought he was dying. He was grabbing people and he ended up just getting going on the floor and really just freaking out. And I'm not going to tell the entire story, but ended up going to the hospital. Everything checked out and he was just like, what happened? I, I thought I was dead. I seriously thought I was dead. They were like, it's anxiety, just a lot of anxiety and other stuff like that. And you have DeMar DeRozan talking about his depression and Kevin Love as well with the depression. Other players, every, you know, athletes around many platforms, around so many sports now opening up. And it's really awesome to see. But let's really open up a question for you guys. Should players, sorry, should NBA teams have access to players' mental health records? Is that something that they should they should have and is that something that will affect their draft stock is that something that will affect their opinion on these players i'm going to ask christian first so what's your opinion on if they should have those records i think them having the records almost destigmatizes like the how we feel about mental health the, the team should be able to know and we should be open and talking about if you have mental health problems and you should be open and honest you should try to hide it you shouldn't try shouldn't be yeah you, you, a red if, flag if you have mental health problems you should be talking to someone you should be trying to seek help this isn't something that you should keep hidden so the teams and the players should be as transparent with each other as possible the teams are and i'm, I'm someone who's very pro player but in the same instance the teams are investing a lot of money they're investing a lot of opportunity they could invest right. in someone else they should be know exactly what they're getting themselves into now on the team's part, you sh it's up to them to not judge and not to be biased on certain things like anxiety. But if someone has like borderline schizophrenia, a team should know before they spend a first-round pick in someone who has a, a mental health problem that could affect their... One thing that I think when I hear about this is the high school players coming in at some point. Is that going to affect them? Is the fact that they're younger anyways, and if they have any kind of mental health issues or anything like that, they might have had when they were just a kid kind of thing they're not at that point where they're not just a, they're still kind of just a kid so do you think that turns off a lot of teams 
if these are open up for players that didn't already get vetted by these colleges and didn't already go through that next step or whatever that may be, go overseas and have to man up and go live in another country. Are you are you talking about teams being able to access players' health records from like back when they were little kids? And I'm not sure how far this goes. I don't know how much records they're going to be releasing yeah. to these teams. I, mean, I, didn't, I, I read the article. It didn't medical. say exactly what what they were going to be indulging. I'm yeah, sure they're not going to be I know, getting everything from birth, but I know I'm that sure the, it's going to be extensive. I know that the players union, and I wouldn't expect anything else, they were completely against this, and they said that the owners shouldn't have any access to that sort of stuff, and that's very private just for the players. If they want to share it, um, then they can, but it's up to them. And I see their point with that. Christian, I see your point too with, yes, teams are investing millions and millions of dollars in players, so they should be able to know as much as they can in their investment because players are an investment. They're just people like their that, medical yeah. records. Um, exactly. Just the only only concern that I would have is them using those mental issues against the player if the player has been treated for anxiety or something else that isn't something that's probably going to affect the team and affect the player, but they just need to get some help for it. And I don't want to see because a player was mature enough and strong enough to recognize, hey, I have this issue and I need to get treated and actually seek help instead of... Because there are tons of players that could have anxiety or something else. If they don't go and get tested for it and treated for it, then there's no record of them having it, but they still have it. So my only concern is that I don't want players that were strong enough to go and actually get the help and get treated, have that end up backfiring them, because then I think all the momentum that mental health and players like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan have been doing to raise awareness and help encourage future players, current players and future players, to come out and get that assistance. I think that that all just goes away the minute that one team holds a player's anxiety or something else against them in contract talks or anything else. No doubt, it's it's the same. It's the same give and take. Like if the teams are getting this records, they should be using it to provide avenues for the players to get help. I want to bring up maybe like Josh Gordon. You know he yeah. has a drug problem, not mental health. You provide avenues for him to avoid drugs when he's on right. your team. So I feel like have it, the team should. And he had to go through have, a lot to get back. He had to prove through rehabs, through other things. No exactly. worries. But yeah. the Browns were there for him. They offered him help. Exactly. So on, and the same thing, if you have a player that has anxiety, the team shouldn't hold that above their head. They shouldn't use it as leverage. They should provide the same avenues they would for a player who has other struggles provide them the same help you would for any other thing so it's a give and take if they want these records then they're going to have to not use it in a nefarious way and use it to help and that's the whole i I trust the nba honestly this is the nfl the nba is a very progressive league i would have some questions with the nfl i currently don't trust them i don't trust who runs them the nba i'm a little more trusting yeah let's move on to Kawhi leonard who is in toronto Let's talk about the fact that he is reportedly open to staying with the Raptors pastors this year. What do they have to do to keep him there? And do you think this is just smoke and mirrors? or And he's just happy because he's not with the Spurs anymore? And he's kind of saying this for now. We'll see what happens next offseason. Or is this another Paul George situation? For you, the you have to take every report. You said reportedly open. That's You well, can't take every up. report as fact. And you also have to realize that this report it can be leaked either on the player side or someone from the team could be leaking it and you have to think where did this originate from this probably originated 
I would assume I don't see why anyone in Kawhi Leonard's camp would leak something like this just because what good is it doing him right now? I don't think that in the few weeks that he's been in Toronto, he's been able to make up his mind that, yeah, you know what, based off of these few weeks without playing one game or practicing with the team in full, yeah, I'd like to stay here long term. I, I honestly think he spent yeah. one, one week with Drake and just did everything that Drake does in his life, and he was sold. He's like, that's it. No, I just, I Drake's think, in L.A. And and that's that's my best friend. That's, that's it. <laughs> I just think that this report, it probably comes from someone in the Raptors team offices just trying to drum up some more excitement for this year and maybe getting more fans to buy into, hey, you know what, let's support this team, let's support Kawhi Leonard because it looks like he might actually be here long term. And I just still have such a hard time believing that Kawhi Leonard, this kid from Southern California, which granted DeMar DeRozan was from Southern California as well, but this guy from Southern California is going to go north of the border and enjoy playing in Toronto with a Raptors team that is good, but I don't see any way for them to take that next step to where they're a legitimate championship contender. They could win the Eastern Conference this year. I'm still not going to say they're a championship contender because the gap between them and the Warriors or the Rockets or a few other teams in the Western Conference it's so great that even if they meet up in the finals, I just don't really see much of a chance for the Raptors. Especially Kyle Lowry, that's another thing we haven't talked about, is that he completely disappears in the playoffs. And him and DeMar DeRozan were the best friends. Best friends. And with DeMar DeRozan gone, Kyle Lowry hasn't said too much about any relationship that he might or might not have with Kawhi Leonard. But if Kyle Lowry isn't 100% engaged in the season and you kind of get the sense that he might just be a little put off on the way that they handled DeMar DeRozan, and he might not be completely buying into this team because DeRozan isn't on the team. That's going to severely impact the Raptors in a negative way because he's clearly their second-best player. Kawhi Leonard, if healthy, is arguably the second-best player in the league. I'd say unquestionably top five in the league, but even him by himself, he cannot lead this team to the finals or anything close to that, so... They're going to need everyone on board, and I just I still have my questions, and I have legitimate questions yeah, about Kawhi so, staying there after this. Something year. the Raptors did: they hired former Spurs assistant video coordinator Jeremy Castleberry as a player development coach, and he earned his degree at SDSU and worked his worked his way up in the Spurs system from the video room, and is one of Kawhi Leonard's best friends. So okay, so this, this is so just Raptors, one small move that the Raptors made. They hired one of Kawhi this, Leonard's guys. This, this, this is what the leak was that the Raptors gave the reporter. Hey, so we hired the Spurs assistant video coordinator. Not a leak. They, they hired him. That's a no, 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 no. But I'm saying, I'm saying the leak, the leak, because they wanted the reporter probably to report that Kawhi's open to staying. So this, I could just imagine what they were saying. Hey, notice how we hired Kawhi or the Spurs assistant video coordinator. He's a players he, development he gra- coach. And, oh, and players development coach. He also graduated from SDSU. Kawhi Leonard graduated from SDSU. This is, this, this is I'm just saying. I'm just letting Kawhi it Leonard, right? I didn't say he just can't go outside where it's freezing. Here, here's what I'm going to say. Kawhi Leonard has no chance to come to the Lakers next year now. I'm not going to say because what? the Lakers aren't going to get him because Kawhi doesn't want to be there. I just think that's not how it's going to shake out. I you honestly, think there's no chance Kawhi goes to the Lakers just, next offseason? Just in my opinion. I'm not saying that the, that's definitely a possibility. I don't think there's any chance this is going to end up happening. I think LeBron not even James, 1%. Not in my opinion. No, not anymore. Wow. I honestly think he's going to, if it doesn't stay here, it's going to go somewhere else. I think there's a much bigger chance for a guy like Jimmy Butler to be on the Lakers 
for the long run. I see a, other moves happening. Even a guy like Kyrie, I see him coming there even more than I see a guy Lakers? like Kawhi now. Yes, I Back honestly, with LeBron, I don't think I, I'll say zero percent chance to Kyrie. I honestly though. feel more and more confident that Kawhi is going to stay, and if not, I see him possibly going elsewhere. Kawhi's really, we're going to remember how great he is this year, and I think LeBron's really going to figure it out on his own, and I think there's not going to be the need for Kawhi Leonard as much as we all thought. There's going to be a need. There's, there's going to be, be, for be somebody star. else that fits a lot, a lot better. That's why I said there's going to be somebody else that fits a lot better, in my opinion, and for both sides. That's just what I'm saying. That's I, my bold prediction I don't think anyone. I don't think they anyone, need firepower. I don't, think, I don't think, yeah, I don't think anyone really fits better than Kawhi Leonard's the best perimeter defender in this the league. We're not LeBron. talking right now. I'm talking about this is next offseason. I'm making my bold prediction of the podcast. This isn't, this isn't fact. This isn't anything like that. I'm just making my bold prediction of the podcast. That's so I when, think he might stay. I honestly think When he might we stay. did the Kawhi Leonard trade podcast, I believe I said there was a 0% chance that he'd stay in Toronto. I'll give him a 1% chance because <laughs> anything's possible. But I honestly think pretty much as stay. confident that you are that he will not be coming to the Lakers, I'm not saying he's coming to the Lakers for sure. I just well, dude, I would be what, shocked if he's not let me, if he stays with know, the Raptors, know that if Kawhi Leonard comes, I'll be a happy man. I'm not oh, saying no, that. I'm but, just giving a hot. But take no, I'm right not. Now. I'm not thinking that it's even like. Oh, I think that if he leaves Toronto, then the Lakers for sure are his destination. No, I think that he's going to explore some opportunities, including the Clippers. And that's yes, one thing that's yes. so hard with Kawhi because he doesn't really say much. We don't know. Which is why I'm saying he's yeah. not. He's well, staying in well, Toronto just, for the rest of right. his life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a better chance that he might stay there or go elsewhere than I believe that he's going to end up on the Lakers next year. I think a Clippers situation or something like yeah, that I think the would be a really, really it's good just, spot for him. It's just we, both we, we have no idea what he's thinking. We don't know if he wants to be I'm just the, giving the hottest star of the team. That's it. I'm trying to give the hottest of that. Terry's like six to the That's zero percent chance to the Lakers. That's it. We're getting hot Grizzlies at eight. Super hot. <laughs> Speaking of hot, just something really quick. NBA removing all footwear color restriction for the upcoming 2018-2019 season. Players can wear whatever shoes they want, whatever colors they want, whenever. We don't have to talk too much about this. I just love that. Yeah. It's like everything the NFL should do, but the NBA is like, nah, me first. Yeah, I just pink shoes, neon greens, whatever you want. I love, I, I love that they're going to be able to do... You saw how much LeBron was able to do with the equality shoes and everything like that. I think they're going to go crazy. Kick, uh, Kicks for Damas, who is one of my goddamn favorite people in NBA Twitter. I love you, man. He literally customizes shoes for probably 25-30% of the NBA right now. People, Luka Doncic, people across all over places, celebrities, doesn't matter who it is. He makes the sickest shoes. Check out his Twitter, Kicks for Damas. He'll make any shoe insane. You literally are like, give me a Mortal Kombat shoe. And he gives you <laughs> the most insane graphic shoe on like Jordans or whatever shoe you present. I saw the crate, like the Russell... Westbrooks have a lot of space on the toe, so he's able to just do all types of stuff on there. I think it's awesome. So yeah, I, can't this, I think Kickstradamus is going to be the guy to see next year. Kickstradamus, you're going to see his name all over the place on NBA. You're going to hear it here first. If you haven't heard of him now, you're going to hear about him next year. The shoes are going to be insane, guys. Um, we just have a few more things to cover for you guys today. There's some rule changes going on for the NBA that happened over this past week. The NBA Competition Committee will recommend rule changes for the 2018-2019 season that includes resetting the shot clock to 14 seconds after an offensive rebound, simplification of clear path foul rule, expanding the definition of the hostile act for purposes of triggering replay. 
What do you guys think? The only one I really want to bring up for debate here is the reset of the shot clock to 14 seconds after an offensive board. I kind of like that, kind of don't. There's, I think I can fight for either side. So I want to hear your guys' opinion first, and I'll chime in after. What do you guys think? You get an offensive board. The shot clock only resets to 14 seconds instead of 24. I'm not a huge fan of it. I understand why the league's doing it, trying to make the game, speed up the game, but the game's already so fast, fast much faster right than it was even 10 years ago. You look at the advanced analytics and the possessions per game for teams, it's been continuously going up basically since the NBA started, and it's probably going to continue keep going up. With this shot clock rule change, it's going to go up a lot faster, but I just, I don't know, maybe over time it'll start to grow on me, but right now my initial thoughts are just if you battle and get an offensive rebound, you should be able to take the ball out, reset everything, reset your half-court offense, and if you need 24 seconds to find another shot, go ahead and take it. You've earned it. I just think that uh, what I foresaw is like in the late game, you know, you force the offense to take a really hard contested shot and they get a rebound and then it resets back to 24 and then they kind of just bring it back to half court. They sit for another 10 seconds like that is kind of But something I brought up in our group chat was I feel like an offensive board isn't easy. It's no. you earn so yourself earned another it. possession. You've it's a privilege to have. And it's not like a half privilege. You don't get 14 seconds because and hurry up, you know, pass the ball out and figure something out. I think you out battled someone who should have gotten the rebound. I think a defensive rebound is much easier than an offensive rebound for the most part, statistically speaking. And you've earned yourself another possession, full one. So in my opinion, I think I'm going to go with keep it as it is. Yeah. But if they do change it, I won't mind it. It's going to be speed ball. You know, keep well, the three pointers flying. I, I don't think. I know these are pro- these are proposed. These are proposed. You can't change the rule. Let's just see. You know, if it try it for a year, if it's not cool, then let's just throw it back. But if it makes yeah. things more dicey, it speeds up the game even a little bit. Then yeah, sure, I, let's do it. I know they've been experimenting with this. I believe in the G League, and did they have it in summer league this past year? I, I know they had the challenge they in the summer league. Did. I don't believe. Yeah, they had, they had the a challenge. League. Okay, well, I know they were experimenting within the G League. So obviously, however they were testing it, it tested well. So we'll see. I yeah. just I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah, they just proposed right now. Just wanted to bring those up. A few last things we wanted to go over: the Hornets, Miles Bridges, someone we brought up with Kenny earlier, was involved with the pick swap kind of thing with the Clippers. He signed a four-year endorsement deal with Nike. Kind of makes sense with Michael Jordan there and yeah. the partnership that and Air Jordan has with Nike. It would it's be a conflict of interest if he signed with an Adidas or a Puma. So he, he really kind of only had one option, and Nike isn't a bad option. Yeah, you know the Hornets jerseys, every other jersey has the Nike logo on them. Yeah, the Hornets have the only Air one Jordan. Yeah. It's just like Michigan in yeah. college, you know, same thing. One more thing I wanted to bring up that actually... One more thing I want to bring up that actually wasn't on the agenda is Nick Young arrested for refusing to cooperate with officers after a routine traffic violation in Hollywood. This was about three or four days ago. I wanted to bring that up just to end our podcast um, before our debate. So really stupid, and there's been a lot of Twitter back-and-forth subtweets with him and the Iggy Azaleas. I think it's so stupid, and I think that Nick Young leaving the Lakers was such a smart decision for his personal life because I think he'd be in even worse position right now if he was stuck in LA instead of Golden State. Is he in the good? Well, he's a free agent yeah, right now, at least for this last season. Yeah, yeah, he but I mean, is he is he in a good position right now? I, uh, I want to ask you guys: Do you think that Nick Young signs with the team before the start of the season? No, not after this. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. I think, I think he I think he'll sign with a team at some point in the season. I think his best case scenario is the Warriors let him take the littlest amount of money to come that back. Minimum. I think Nick Nick Young is a very like a very a big name player too that I can see going to like China or something yeah, like that. I was gonna say I think playing overseas would be just make a, the most sense for him right now. He needs now. a redemption after cheating exactly. on Nikki Azalea. Like, <laughs> yeah. She's on the top of her game right now, and you're <laughs> breaking it good. up off the bench, getting arrested. He, he needs a redemption more just because of his terrible play. And like uh, he, he kind of he cheated on his wife. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know. But for he, what front offices are looking for... He needs the, a life front, front office, 60. Front offices, he yes, he does. Off but front, front offices will look past that if you're a good basketball player. Like yeah, J.R. Smith. Right like, at least J.R. Smith is <laughs> ball. Smith, oh my God. We're not talking about J.R. Smith here. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to our He's ending debate. Uh, contracts, are they better in the NBA or the NFL? The NFL has got away. a different kind of contract system with um, non-guaranteed money. And it's a lot the franchise tags and everything like that. So let's talk about the formats of the two different leagues. What's a little bit better for the players? What's better for the league? And do we see any kind of changes for either of these leagues moving forward? Yeah, so I'll just brief you guys if you don't know the full full kind of what, yeah, what happens with the NBA contracts and NFL contracts. So main differences is in the NFL, contracts are not fully guaranteed. They're only partially guaranteed, whereas in the NBA... Contracts are fully guaranteed. So, if a player signs in the NFL a four-year, forty million dollar contract, that doesn't mean it's going to get forty million. If twenty-five million of it is guaranteed, that means that if he gets injured and the team, or he just isn't good enough and the team wants to release him, they still have to give him twenty-five million. Whereas in the NBA, if you sign a four-year, forty million dollar contract, you're getting that forty million unless you do something really stupid, or else there are some clauses in every contract where if you do certain activities and get injured, then the team can void your contract. But for the most part, it's pretty much fully guaranteed. On the flip side, in the NFL, players are able to hold out for bigger contracts while they're still under contract, whereas in the NBA, if you sign a contract, you cannot hold out. That's just the contract that you have until you're done with that contract and you're a free agent again, whether it's team-friendly or player-friendly. It doesn't matter. That's what you're going to get paid. So. Christian, being a D1 athlete, I'll let you start with this. What are your feelings, and do you think the NBA or NFL has a better contract system? And if you could build the ideal contract system, would it be all NBA or all NFL, or would you take little bits and pieces of both? So no, I think we talked about this on the NFL podcast. The signing bonuses in in the NFL are so much higher than they are in the NBA. Now, I don't think that you should adopt that giant signing bonus uh, to the NBA contract, but I like the fully guaranteed money. It's you're, you're being a man of your word. If I promise you I'm going to pay you for four years, $40 million, no matter if you get hurt, I'm a man of my promise. You, we ask the players to be man of their words, but we ask these giant teams. We give them these, these outs, these protections. Why are we giving the protections to the giant, giant teams and the players they're getting, you know, hat, I want to well, say fi- hat hand. Football is obviously a more physical sport. 100%. But with any sport, you're putting athletes out there with the risk to get injured. So if you're going to give a guy a six-year contract, you're taking the chances that in that six-year span, nothing is going to happen to that player, and they're not going to go down. Or if something does happen to them, it's going to be worth it in the long run to where during that six-run span, they've done enough for you to take that hit for a little time. I'm just like Christian on this one. If you're going to sign a guy to that long of a contract, you need to take injury risk into you know 
concern, and that's not just a freak injury that can happen to anyone tearing your ACL on just a normal Tuesday. They're getting Tuesday. hurt going as hard as they you're can. You're playing a physical you. sport, so you're going to be getting hurt anyways. If you have the fear of your player being an injury-prone kind of player, you give him a one-year contract. You give him a two-year contract. You give him a two-year contract with an option. Whatever that may be, you protect yourself. But just like Christian said, you give you're saying two years, 20 million, you're going to pay two years, 20 million to that player. If he misses a full year, that's on you, but you are an organization that has the money to take that hit. A player shouldn't have to be giving his all for that team. And at any point of his career end, because he doesn't have a guaranteed contract or because he's on a franchise tag, you know, he's screwed for the rest of his life. I think to an extent, it de-incentivizes the player to go hard all of the time if the the contract's not fully guaranteed. Exactly. If it's only partially guaranteed and we're up by 16 points... You're partially going to play hard. Yeah, I'm partially going to play hard. Now, 16 points isn't... You know, that's you can come back into the game, but if I'm two, playing two on... touchdowns and two... Exactly, two but... conversions. And, and it's not the old football anymore, either. It's not, you know, week yeah. four of the preseason, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm playing that game. I need to go kill but people. Nowadays, you're taking care of everyone. You're making 16, sure, just like we talked about last time, you're you're sitting your starters. So, like, you play it safe. At 16 always. points, though, your team wants you to still play hard. At 16 points, I'm pulling the gas, because if I'm going too hard and I injure my knee, in the locker room, you're going to try to give me 50% pay now. So I think, to an extent, I know football Football has some dogs. The culture of football is you go hard regardless. But to some extent, if you're on those guys on one of a giant contract that's not fully guaranteed, how do you expect them not to think like that? This isn't college anymore. This isn't high school. Money is how we are going to feed our well, this families. This is their how profession. We're gonna yeah, exactly. Is their profession. You, you can't not expect a professional. I think in business school they call it moral hazard. To not have a fully uh, guaranteed contract, it creates a moral hazard and not wanting to play hard. If you give them a full contract, you can 100% expect your player to play right. hard. They have you see, no reason This not is to. where my mind is. If I'm a dual sport athlete and I'm so good at basketball and football, which happens a lot, yep. a lot of these tight ends or something have only played football in college for a year or two. Mike Gusecki or some of these guys who are former basketball stars. That's why Jimmy Graham, they, Jimmy Graham, they switched to tight end. Antonio Exactly. So these guys, it's at that point, I'm deciding I'm going to go NBA. If I have a choice between NFL or NBA, I'm going to go NBA at that point. If this is how it's set up, the politics are taking over NFL. There's a lot of controversy with the NFL, as is with how you're able to hit a guy or anything like that nowadays. And you're going to say I'm not guaranteed for my contracts, and there's a chance that I'm going to get two concussions and end my career, and at any time these teams are just going to pull the plug and say I'm not worth it. I'm going to go NBA every time if I have that option just because of the fact that the NBA is a player-friendly league and the NFL is not right now. And if they only way they can change that is if they switch the CBA. Yeah, it's definitely something that's going to have to be collectively bargained. I agree that the NBA's contract system is much better. The franchise tag in the NFL, all the excitement that we have in the NBA with players switching teams every offseason, it almost... I know that the teams and the team owners like having that franchise tag because it ensures them that they're going to get to keep their best off-season free agent if they want to, but it almost does the league as a whole a disservice because, I mean, we didn't have too many NFL Unwrapped podcasts over the off-season because there just wasn't that much to talk about. To be honest, there, like, was, there was a lot to talk about, but it was stuff that we didn't Well, yeah, but it, was, it wasn't on-field stuff. It's all politics and yeah. all this negative stuff. It wasn't players stuff. changing. Exactly. It was the same narrative. It was all right. politics stuff. Right. 
And that's the thing that the NBA has done so well and been able to capitalize on is because players are able to move around. There is no offseason with the NBA. You could argue maybe we're in it right now. It's kind of slowed down a little there's bit. There's been a dead week, there, and there I'm could, dying. Yeah, there, there could be a trade at any moment. Kyrie was traded, I believe, right around this time About last offseason. A year from a three days ago or but something. Like July 1st, I have that marked down in my calendar every it's year. I birthday. cannot wait. It's the yeah, greatest that's, day on earth. That, that's that I that. turned 23 <laughs> when 23 came <laughs> yes. to L.A. That's, that's like that's the moon LeBron. and the stars yeah, that's, lining that's up. That's the LeBron day. But that, Christians did too. That, <laughs> that week, this that year. next two weeks, I'm on Twitter more over those next two weeks than I am at any point during the rest of the season. It's just so fun to see everything that's coming up. So many different players changing teams. But from a player's standpoint, just being able to get that guaranteed money, if there was any sport where you should have fully guaranteed money, it should be football exactly. because you work so hard to get where you are. I know, Christian, you can speak to this much better than Perry or I can, but... I don't know, man. I had some serious uh, draft talk. I think Colin <laughs> Howard totally pro- uh, brought this point up. Football players practice 20, 25 times more than they play. NBA yeah. players practice about four times more than they play. Football practice is so much more... There's so much more... Sean Watson tore his ACL in practice. Football practice is hard. You have to go full speed, and still you're not able to simulate what it's like in the game. Yeah. It, it's crazy how much... It's like hazard pay for, for professional sports. Football and hockey, they should get those hazard pay contracts because they're head and above practicing harder. It's a different regimen for your body to have that bigger muscle mass and to fly around like that. It's it's just yeah. so much harder, but I just think it, in these contracts, it stems from the football culture. Football has a more, you know, they talk about power distance. Players in the in the NFL have so much less power compared to the owners as in the NBA. Yeah. NBA players can dictate, they can say, oh, I'm out. In the, the NFL, that's not a league. thing. There's, there's so yeah. much less. So the culture needs to change before any of this happens. New, that goes with the new CBA. NFL players, you need to fight. If you want these contracts, you have to fight. You have to fight like Aaron Donald. You literally have to, like Khalil Mack. You have to take these hits, but as a culture, yeah. we, you guys, I, I, I would love to say me too, I'd love to be a professional football player, but <laughs> actually I'm just kidding, that sounds awful, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you we, they need to fight for these contracts because you are putting in way more work than what you're getting out. Right. And I understand in a business, you're never really going to get paid what you put in, but Go get you a bag, Kings. Come yeah, on. you talk about players getting injured in practice. Teddy Bridgewater almost lost his leg. In the he dislocated his knee from his practice. leg. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, you that's tore awful. his whole knee and then it popped out. Yeah, like that awful. is Re- really quickly before we wrap this up. I think that with the NFL, there's a lot of talk about even NBA players chime in. Why are these guys not getting fully guaranteed deals? I think that they should get fully guaranteed deals, but if they do, I think that the deal length is going to shorten quite a bit. And that's something that, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to take that risk. And I think also I've heard some complaints from the team side of things of, oh, well, if we have fully guaranteed money on players and we sign someone to a huge deal and they end up getting injured and can't play for a year or something, then our salary cap's going to take a massive hit. Maybe there's some way to work around that where if a player gets some sort of debilitating injury that maybe 
half their salary counts against the cap, or it gets like wiped. An injury tag. Yeah, or it gets wiped off the cap. Yeah, I'd like that. Maybe one or two players where you can do an injury tag for. Right. But they'd have to be seriously injured. They can't just like miss a game and oh, he has a I huge mean, contract. It's like eight but, games or nine games. Yeah, yeah. over half the yeah. season or something. I know Adele back an injury from last year. Right. Yeah, so, well, yeah, four because like I had him. Thank God. Yeah, but yo, thank <laughs> you guys so much for joining us. This was such a fun episode. And Kenny, who left us halfway through the podcast after our very Clippers. established writer. Yeah, very after, honored. Our, yeah, go check out his stuff. He is a LA Clippers columnist for Clippers Holics FS. He's featured on Bleacher Report as well. LA Times. LA Times. Kenny Hawks really enjoyed having him on today and love being with you guys as always thank you guys so much for joining us on nba and rap where we unwrap all the hottest takes around the nba make sure to follow us on twitter at nba and rap you can follow me on twitter at perry aston you can follow christian on twitter at mcgowan 75 and corbin on twitter he changed it up now it's actually at corbin unwrapped oh yeah so i think i so put, we, i remember I that, I right that we're branding one of our hosts. we're branding and he no longer has 50 followers i believe he's at like 275 he is starting yes. to gain traction right. in the Twitter world. Go so, check sorry out Corbin's Sorry, guys, for page. saying Corbin MRPK at the beginning. Just to force yeah. You also said follow me at Corbin, by the way. I think he said follow instead of Twitter. It was follow, yeah, follow me, me at on Cor- Corbin at Corbin. Corbin. <laughs> yeah, so he no longer just owns the Packers. He owns <laughs> Twitter sphere now. Netflix at him. Is at, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to diversify. Lots of things. Corbin, yeah, <laughs> go check smart. him out on Twitter. Please check out our page. And you can listen to us on oh. SoundCloud. You can also listen to us on the Apple Podcast app. And you can also leave us a review and a rating on there. Much appreciated, guys. Any last words from you guys I'll today? Be posting my, I'll be posting my master plan of what to invest in soon. So just watch out for that. Packers, Twitter, see what's next. Corbin Business Pocket Business Unwrapped <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, we'll yeah. stick to sports, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Corbin Bitcoin.